0: In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the
1: X's and Argo's podcast.
0: Welcome to the X's and Argo's post-game reaction podcast brought to you by Funny Bone Broth, following a (laughs) 44-3 shellacking by the home BC Lions over your Toronto Argonauts. Ben Grant joined as always by JB. We're going to break it down for you, go through what we saw, maybe give you the the few positives that we can take out of this disastrous game. Uh JB, this this felt like the last time the Argos were in BC, 2019, they lost 55 to 8. It it was it was almost worse because this is a better team. You expected it from that 2019 team, because they they couldn't really beat anybody. But this is a team that have expectations, and to go in here to BC Place and lose 44-3 to get dominated in every phase has to be uh, upsetting, I guess.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I would characterize it as upsetting. We knew (laughs) it was going to be uphill. They, you know, like, it's not... uh, too much of a homer to say they're dealing with injuries at significant positions um, and that reduces the, you know, the, the effectiveness of the entire team. However, you know, what happened tonight um, was a disaster. I mean, it just looked like a team that either didn't have a plan or whose game plan was just so wrong about what BC does. I think that was probably the most disturbing to me, both offensively and defensively. Um, they had no answers, no answers in the first half, no answers in the second half. Um, they hit, They held the ball for five minutes in the third quarter. Um, you know, they just were taken apart on national television so yeah I mean uh, uh, it it, it, it's easy to flush a game like this Um, but uh, yeah it was not not great
0: it started with the coin toss uh bc won the coin toss uh but they did something unusual there in that they chose to receive which teams just don't generally do now they haven't done that for a long time unless you're really trying to establish something so in bc in this case the reason they choose they want the ball first instead of deferring is they want to send their offense out there to score a touchdown they feel really good about their script they want to get out in front and make it tough on Toronto, make sure that Toronto's playing catch up the whole way, because Toronto is clearly built as a team that plays better with the lead. So that worked for them. They end up taking that taking that opening kickoff uh, all the way back to the, to the 42. And then uh, a few plays later, it, it's a, a bust and a touchdown. And that was going to be sort of foreshadowing things to come because that happened on several different drives. Now, let's just talk about Talk about that defensive philosophy, because we saw it in that first drive, and then it kind of continued. They were they were just playing so soft, whether it was man or zone, the defenders, the DBs for Toronto were playing so far off, and it was just easy for Rourke to, to pick apart the defense. It seemed to me like they were just hell-bent on not letting anything behind them, and so they were happy to let Rourke just complete passes all the way down the field. But then once they got to about the 30-yard line or so, there'd be a bust every single time, and Rourke would find it every time. And there were three of his passing touchdowns that came off busts from about the 30-yard line.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the first thing really is to tip the hat to, to Rourke. I mean, he looked fantastic. I mean, no two ways about it. He looked like the best CFL quarterback that I have watched in... Uh, I don't know. Seven years. I mean, and I, his
0: performance also was record-setting tonight. I, right, it's even the that, most passing yards by a Canadian quarterback it, in CFL history. You know,
1: never mind a Canadian. I mean, like honestly, I'm talking about like watching a quarterback perform at that elite level. I I don't know. There's certainly nobody in the league in the past three years who has put on a performance like that. Um, that level of elite quarterbacking um, so you know that's tough look from a defensive point of view um, you have a guy who is that dialed in um, that that is a problem for sure but i agree with you i didn't understand um, their reluctance to play tight man coverage um, especially when they started mixing in more blitzes um, you know like If you're not going to play tight man coverage and take away the inside slant, then you shouldn't blitz. I mean, they were just getting eaten alive on those plays. And uh, I didn't understand it. And, you know, the arguments have shown that this particular group with injuries is not great at running zone. And BC ate their lunch. You can see the guys high five. And after the touchdown, they're like, look at this. You know, they were like, <laughs> they just knew. They're like, we run this play. They're going to jump all over that in the flats. They just knew it was going to be a bust. It had been a bust a bunch of times against Montreal. And, um, you know, it was a bust again. So, uh, I don't know. I, I was disappointed that zone wasn't thrown out the window. And that when they did play man, it was not man. I mean, you you have a guy who's that dialed in, you've got to be all, I mean, and in, in, in on the flip side, I thought BC, you know, played really aggressive man defense. And you could see it on every catch it was contested. But And the, their
0: zones were like that too, where they just played tight zone, they played tight man, and and there was just so much space in front of yeah, the, the Argos DBs.
1: The fact that, you know, the announcers had noticed it, but the fact that there wasn't a single Toronto player on the television screen on all of the touchdowns is (laughs) just unacceptable. You know, that's just not, um, you know, you just can't have that. And I don't think that's, that's, you know, players, that scheme, you know, that is is either having the wrong scheme or not having the scheme that you can do with the players that you have. But, um, yeah, I I thought that was really, I thought the way the touchdowns were scored Uh, was really embarrassing. And of course, you know, giving up 430 yards in the air um, is something any secondary unit or defensive coach uh, will, I would think, not have much to sleep about.
0: It was another incredible Nathan Rourke performance numbers-wise. So 39 of 45. So again, he's near that 90% completion mark for 436, four touchdowns, no picks. Uh, it was just a, a, sh- a shredding. But And not to take things away from Roar, because I think he played a heck of a game, but they were generally easy completions. It was just a guy standing wide open. And, and now where I do give him a lot of credit is finding those guys. Uh, you know, and you notice that Every single time there was a bust, he was on it. And young quarterbacks often miss those. They they don't realize till they get to the sideline. They look at the they look at the iPad and they're like, "Oh man, I missed this bust on the other side." He didn't miss anything. Every time there was a bust, he hit it for a touchdown. Every time there's a guy open, he hit him. You know, he only had six incomplete passes, and I think a couple of those were drops too. So, um, you know, it, it was a an incredible game by Rourke, but made a lot easier by that loose coverage. And amazingly, the Argos found like three different ways to bust on all three of those bust touchdowns. So the the first one, it was McFadden who uh, had flats and he thought he had help over top, but Amos clearly didn't think he was supposed to be helping over top. So we don't know which one of them is, is right on that without looking at a replay. Um, but yeah, just, you know, wide open receiver in the end zone. Next, they had two guys playing the flats. They both thought they had flats. No one had deep. And again, there's Katoy standing in the end zone for a touchdown. And on the third one, it looked like they tried to execute a switch, but both DBs ended up going with the inside man, and nobody took the corner route, and he's wide open in the end zone for a touchdown. It was three busts, three different ways, each one of them unacceptable, and Rourke found the open man each time.
1: Yeah, he was absolutely... um... You know, dialed in. I I thought his his you know the the contrast between the offense that he was running that he clearly had um, an absolute um, control of, and it fit his strengths. And there was an energy to it, and there was a a sort of a, an electricity to it. Not just him; just everybody on that BC team felt like. This is a good offense. I know what I'm supposed to do here. And, you know, it was high octane. It was quick, quick passes. uh, A lot of eye candy for the defense, you know, play action and, you know, um, uh, deep shots when they were there. The contrast between that and Toronto just dialing up nothing, um, I thought was pretty stark.
0: And we've yet to see the all the stuff that we've talked about the the misdirection we've talked about now today was tough because they weren't ever really able to establish the run Andrew Harris uh you know had two nice runs to start the second half and the second one ended in a fumble unfortunately but aside from that they completely stuffed the Argos run game he ends up with 27 yards on seven carries and remember you're taking 20 of that came on those those first two plays of the or second and third play of the the second half uh, it was a really rough time for them running. And if you can't establish any kind of run, then play action is sort of out the window. But even that, like the execution was so poor at times where there was play action, it was to the wrong side. You had Harris going to the left and McLeod holding a play action to nobody on the right side. And obviously that's not drawing anyone in or, or freezing defenders. So that was, that was really frustrating. We just didn't see a lot of it. I, I get why, because they couldn't you know no one's going to buy it when you can't run anyway um but i just felt like bc with largely rushing four were really able to to clog things up they were able to to create a lot of pressure and bethel thompson's looking downfield he hasn't got much time there was especially a lot of pressure coming from his left side and his guys just weren't open they were they were blanketed and so you know he took four sacks he had to throw the ball away a couple times. A couple of times, it was just really contested balls where they were, they were incomplete. And then sometimes the only option he had was to throw it like 60 yards across the field, like we saw him do last year uh, to the field side, where there was a guy there for a five-yard gain on a 60-yard throw. So it, it just, yeah, there just wasn't a lot there. It's hard to even pinpoint exactly what was wrong other than just a little bit of everything.
1: You know, they looked like a team that had not practiced, which, in some regards, they hadn't. You know that it's it's really hard when you have guys who can't go full up practice. You know, football demands practice, especially on offense. You need the timing. You need looks. This works, that doesn't. And when you have guys, look, it's not that. But when guys are injured or guys are sick. Where guys can't go at practice because you are trying to save them for the game. Um, this early in the season, I think you get exactly what that looks like. You look; it, it looked like a team that that doesn't have a full playbook. Um, and when BC stopped them, they didn't have a plan B or C. Um, you know, they looked they looked really lost out there. They didn't look like they had. Um, like from an offensive point of view, they just didn't look like they had a plan um there was no change in the second half um I don't know why i've you know I've often said this I don't know why Daniels is mister two amazing catches and then never see him again uh you know I don't know why he doesn't get the volume i don't know why that's not schemed up you know i just it 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 you know they don't have a complimentary running back for Harris, which is a problem. You know, Harris is not a twenty carry guy. Uh, he just isn't at this point in his career. He, they need another back, right? In essence, you know, they need a John White. They need somebody else to to give him a look, to give him a different look out of the backfield, um, catching the ball out of the backfield. Maybe like watching it, you know. Really, Macbeth had that great seam throw to Daveris and but everything else was out to the wings, out to the wings, and and the Argos just can't let defenses dictate that because if they do that, they're dead. If if they can't scheme up between the hash mark throws for Macbeth, then uh, you know, they are
0: doomed. Part of the problem is just like you said, like it's it's partly scheme, partly route running, but you just didn't have guys open. And I think this goes back to the guys are in the wrong spot still and they they have to they've tested this now for two weeks and it's been the same problem two weeks they've got banks playing on the outside where he doesn't like playing and he's just not as good he's not as effective out there um he he needs to be in the slot on the field side where he's been his whole cfl career where he's been successful and diverse daniels needs to be at x and the reason everyone's mixed around is because eric rogers is hurt but they've got to they've just got to find a replacement for him there, and you've got to get if 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 Phillips is going to be on the field and he's going to be in the slot for you on on the field side and you're getting him his two catches for eleven yards that he had today you may as well have that over a w and have the other guys comfortable with where they are that it's worth it like it's not like Phillips is is lighting it up from his spot there, so get him at w or get. A.J. Richardson get someone at W so that you can put Deverus at X and you can put Banks at, at Y where they're happy, where they know what they're doing. And then at least you've got a chance to have a couple effective guys. Because now the way that's set up right now, the, the only one who's seen any real success is, is Curly Gittins Jr. Banks did have that one touchdown, but it was, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty short pass in, in week one, and he sort of made it work the way that he often does when he's in the slot. And he was lined up pretty pretty close inside running a slant. So that, w- that would be my thing coming out of this. They've just got to find an, a different answer so that someone else is playing W and everyone can go back to the places they're comfortable, where they've had their reps, where they spent their preseason repping. Um, it, this, this isn't working this way.
1: No, agreed. And... You know, I know that injuries are a problem, and a lot of teams are dealing with it. Um, and I I don't dismiss that. It does. It, it it screws things up. It screws up your reps at practice. It screws up your plan. It screws up who's playing where. Um, you know, but you you can't you can't have an offense that looked like that. I mean, look, BC is a good team. I know they beat the hell out of Edmonton, but you know, defensively. To be that dominated, like, it it doesn't bode well for matchups against Winnipeg and Saskatchewan.
0: No, but it doesn't bode well for matchups against anyone. No, um, I mean, I like think like they're... When you look like that.
1: Right, I mean, I think they're better than they showed tonight. And we saw this last year that they had a Jekyll and Hyde, um, you know, <laughs> characteristic where they, they, you know, just some games were terrible and they were able to kind of... Regroup and pull it together at home and and uh, you know i I would bet that that would probably be the case, but um it is disappointing to see like the i like I, again I just go back to the contrast one team had an offense that was absolutely crackling with a guy at it who seemed to be having all of his skills um highlighted and emphasized, and one looked like uh you know, they were just drawing plays up in the dirt.
0: And I think what really showed at the end of the game was this, this sort of, I don't know, is this juxtaposition of what was happening with the two teams today. That first drive, Toronto had an amazing first drive. Uh, it looked like McLeod Bethel-Thompson was sharp. He completed a few passes. They had a couple of runs in there. They get down to first and goal from the one-yard line. And three straight runs from the one yard line, something that haunted Toronto all last season, they could not punch it in. The first was a run to Harris for no gain, and then two consecutive quarterback sneaks to no avail. And BC takes over on the on their own one yard line, drives 95 yards for a field goal. Uh, but you know, same situation near the end of the game. BC is is got first and goal from the one and they get a touchdown yeah every every team does like you you have to you can't in the cfl you cannot be unable to score a touchdown from the one yard line you have to be able to convert third and ones at like a 90 percent rate and and first and goal from from the one unless you get a penalty that should be an automatic touchdown unless there's a holding call that now takes you out of range. First and goal from the one always has to be a touchdown because there's a yard of space. It's not like the NFL where the defensive line's right on top of you. They're right on the ball in the CFL. You've got a full yard and all you need is the yard and you know when the snap is and you don't even have guys, you know, waggling in motion on those plays that are going to tip off when the snaps coming, you control the count, you control that yard and it, it should be automatic every time and and it's so frustrating coming off last year where this was a huge problem and just find that we're we're back here again and this has to go on the interior line because that's where that's where the sneaks are coming from it's a little bit on the quarterback too but they've they've got to fix that
1: oh, I, I mean football is football is often determined by four plays you know it's so a kind of an old coach thing to say but you can take any game and you can pick four plays that either led to the win or caused a loss, and it's those four, if you could change them. And clearly, that changes the whole tenor of the game. Um, I thought the defense did a decent job in the first half of, of keeping things relatively under control. Um, and if we score there and it changes the offense's, you know, Mojo, um, you know, you, you banged it in on the road to not be able to get it in on the road um, is just beyond embarrassing. It, it, I, you know, like they don't have a short yardage quarterback, which is, you know, they got, you know, they decided they wanted to go a different way uh, at their quarterback position. So, you know, that was a problem. (laughs) And those plays, like, you know, first of all, I mean, at least give Harris two shots at it. That f- And that first play was so badly blocked up. I mean, they even talked about it on the broadcast. It was so badly blocked up. It was like, what, what is this? It was like, Ambles is kind of like coming over and he's supposed to kick somebody out. It was like, didn't even make any sense. When you watch it on replay, you're like, what? What is this blocking scheme? This doesn't make any sense for what they're trying to do here. It was more like... You know, again, like it just seemed like okay, hut go, and you're like, what? What do you mean, huck go? Like this offensive line, like those guys, that was not a blocked up play. In my, you watch that play again, it'll look like just a bunch of guys going on hut. Like that's not a play. Like there needs it, to be. It looked
0: like a few of those that they had, like it, certainly, it's got to be a blocking down by the scheme goal here.
1: Like what are we doing here?
0: Yeah, it looked like they were, they felt overwhelmed by, like, to me, what the, what that first down Harris run looked like at the goal line was that they were kind of looking for it being blocked up the way that you might run a regular running play from midfield. But on the goal line, it doesn't look like that. On the goal line, you've got somebody in every gap. The entire team is basically stacked on, on the goal line. And so guys aren't in their regular spots. You know, you're not climbing second level to get linebacker or anything like that and so many guys were able to come through it's a miracle that Harris was able to get back to the one because by the time he got the handoff there were already a number of lines in the backfield
1: yeah, I mean, and
0: it coming off of last week where they did run blocks so well especially that interior it was it was just kind of rough this week
1: somebody's got to get doubled like there are no gaps to run through unless somebody's unless you scheme it up like you've got to scheme up a goal line play because as you say there's somebody coming through every gap so you can't just hand it to the running back and say good luck
0: no and you also can't get away from that like this the answer to this is not on third and one to be running uh like jet sweeps every time or to be passing it or back in shotgun like that's not the way that this has to be dealt with the the answer to converting third and ones is you have to get better at quarterback sneaks and at dive plays because that's what every other team in CFL history has been able to do. This is just a part of, it's a part of the game. It's, it's, it's so, it's so easy to convert third and ones that it just feels whenever you see a team get a nine yard gain on first down, it almost feels like is silly like the referees to just kind of give it to them because we know what's going to happen in the next play um and then it's going to be a first well, down or if it's not somehow it'll be converted on third
1: i get frustrated because i'm like we have we have uh you know <clears throat> uh you know second and one converted against us over and over and over and over and over again like do they not watch that film like do they wonder how huh, how does the other team do it every single time and we never get mad because it's like no, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do on one yard. Like I don't blame the offensive line. De- you know, I don't. I don't blame our defensive line or linebackers. Like no, there's, there's no way to stop them.
0: One yard is automatic in the CFL. Right, it just not no. for the I, Argos. I mean,
1: honestly, I wanted people fired on the field today after that red zone debacle. I mean, just debacle. I mean, how many times are you going to make the same mistake? I mean, this is now into you a year and a half of not being able to do anything in the red zone. You know, I mean, I don't know. I just, it just, I, I, I don't even understand why you switch to quarterbacks? Like, wh- what what did that other quarterback bring? Like, who, what? Like, wh- why do you just call somebody out of the stands?
0: Well, Austin Simmons is a good runner. Like he's the best runner of the three guys in know, terms of no power run. Involved. I know that's the thing. Like quarterback sneak isn't isn't really about that. Like the no. best quarterback sneaker in the NFL is Tom Brady. There's no one better than Tom Brady at quarterback sneaks, and it's not because he's a good running quarterback. It's nothing to do with that. There is a skill to it, but it's not your best runner that has to be out there always. I would have I,
1: I would have left McBeth, and I didn't understand bringing Simmons in at all. I'm like, what? Come on.
0: I like Macbeth in there too for a few reasons. One, I I think the defense has to suddenly wonder a little bit. Okay, first of all, is something up? Are we looking for a a leak out uh, into the flats or whatever? Number two, he gives you everything he's got and if he's in there for a quarterback sneak you can bet he's going to give you a, every ounce of, of energy and power that he's got into that quarterback sneak and not only that the line knows that they've got a job to protect him he's the starting quarterback he's their guy and I'm not saying they're not trying to to block for Austin Simmons but there's a little bit more urgency when it's your guy in there you don't want to be the guy that that lets someone through to get a free shot on your starting quarterback. So I, I think going forward, I would leave him in and just say, yeah, this is, this is your job. If you can leave Tom Brady in to do quarterback sneaks in a much harder scenario where there isn't that neutral zone, there isn't that free yard, then you, you got to be able to get that from, from your starting quarterback, no matter who your starting quarterback is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I hope that changes.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, he <me> too. <laughs> and have for a long time now. I I just don't know why scoring in the red zone never seems to make it to the top of their PowerPoint for plans for the week.
0: This game could have gone a different way if it were still close in the second quarter. The problem was it was over mid-second quarter. This game was, was finished. But you saw BC sustain like three straight injuries where Lucky Whitehead was injured. Uh, Butler ended up getting injured. Burnham was injured. They were losing. Uh, Lu- Lucky Whitehead came back, but but he wasn't quite the same. It uh, looked like an, an ankle. Lacombo. Uh, and had that been young know, Lacombo as well, like had this been a tight game at that point, uh, it, it would have been tough. There would have been a lot of pressure on BC, but, it, you know, it, it wasn't. And so BC continued to just kind of do what they... They wanted to do um because they they had all the options they could they could run they could pass they could do whatever they weren't put into a scenario where there was pressure on them so that that never really came to fruition so you had guys like like David Mackey who ends up running you know, as a fullback he became the primary running back because James Butler was the only running back BC dressed he goes down so now they've got a fullback as the running back and he runs for 90 yards and a touchdown so you know they did they just Nothing nothing could go right for the Argonauts tonight.
1: I mean, I have you know it's, it's all you know not not comparable, but I will say, like I felt for the Toronto coaches, the defensive coaches, because it is the loneliest feeling in the world when you can't stop another team, and your players are looking to you for something. And there's just nothing you can do. Whatever you dial up, doesn't you dial up a blitz doesn't work. You dial up a jailbreak, it doesn't work. You play deep zone, you know. You just it is an incredibly um, lonely and terrible feeling, and it's the feeling that makes you watch film for 19 hours a day because you never ever want to be in a position like that again. So you're you're you want to have as many game plans as possible because, you know, that, that's really what, what drives your desire to watch defensive film is, you know, that uh, to never feel that helplessness. So I fell for the coaches cause I'm sure they must've like the, nothing. They dialed up worked the entire game. That's not easy to do.
0: The concern going forward Offensively. We can address both sides of the ball, but offensively, they obviously weren't able to produce very much at all. They couldn't run at all. McLeod Bethel Thompson was accurate, uh, you know, fifteen of twenty-one, a seventy-one percent completion, uh, but only 178 yards in what really should have been you know, with with them they should have been passing so, you know, the the entire game, but they couldn't string Drives together, they couldn't get first down, so that's why he only ends up with 21 attempts. On the other side, you've got Rourke with 45 attempts in a game where they didn't really even need to throw. But that just shows you it shows you the disparity in in execution and what was happening on one side of the ball versus the other. But like going forward, there are some serious issues that we have to talk about with the offensive line because they they lost uh, DeJon Allen, uh, right tackle, who uh, you know. Was one of their more stable pieces. Uh, they had a really tough time uh, with Tate at left tackle. He had a really rough night. He actually he pulled it together a little bit in the fourth quarter when it was a, a bit late. Uh, but he had he had a tough time tonight. He's not going to he's not going to enjoy watching that film. But they had trouble inside. I know Philip Blake. Uh, you know missed uh, uh, missed uh, missed a guy who ended up taking a, a pretty good shot. I think that was once. I think that was when they had Chad Kelly in and that was, that was Blake's guy that got through. Um, But they had trouble. This line did not play as well as they can play nowhere close to as well as they can play. And now they may be in a situation where they're down Allen. Hopefully not. We don't know, but it didn't look good. It, It looked like knee and he was trying to, he was trying to bravely walk off the field under his own power. And it was, you could just see the pain he was in and, just seeing that injury, we've seen that before. I I don't expect to see Allen back anytime soon. I hope I am wrong, but now what? So now what is the answer? Now where do you go? Like this, this isn't in a position to just sort of flip a switch and now the offense is better next week.
1: No, we we worried about offensive line. That was, you know, our concern heading into the season, and then a couple injuries um, made it you know more troublesome. Um, you know, I, I agree it might, it, you know, if you can't, if you can't put out, you know, a decent offensive line, then there probably is curtains, uh, because you, you just can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. Um, you know, so that, that is, yeah, that is terrifying. I think, um, when you look at offensively, you know, what. What the plan is? I I I still, yeah, I still don't know what the offense is. Um, other than checking down to swing out passes to the sideline, I, I don't because well,
0: they can't get anyone open. Like I, I was right? watching downfield, and that's one of the nice things about being at the game is I can, I can watch what's happening in the secondary. There just weren't guys like McLeod Bethel Thompson. When he had time, he's looking at five receivers who are just absolutely blanketed. And so he had to scramble. And a number of times he like stepped up in the pocket to create more time or rolled out. Maybe
1: more rubs.
0: Yeah they have to they have to change up and but part of this again is having guys out of position Banks yeah. doesn't run nearly as effective a a route tree when he doesn't have the waggle that's a big part of his game starting stationary doesn't work for him Daniel's just isn't as effective from the inside he's he's just not used to it these are these are guys out of their spots and we've we've talked about that a lot and and they're paying extra attention to curly gittins jr uh which we anticipated would happen and he's still finding some space but not like he did last year because they're very aware of him so they they do have to make what i think is like offensively this is what i think has to happen for next week so they first of all have to hope that Isaiah Cage is healthy and can return to play. And if he can, then you've got him at left tackle. You move Tate over to right tackle, assuming Allen is out, which I think he will be. Or you see if Richards can beat out Tate at right tackle. Maybe it's it's an open position battle between those two guys this week and and see which one can win. But there's got to be some pressure on the interior too. They have to... They've got to see... Uh, you know, in watching this game film, they'll they'll see that just how different it looked from last week when I thought they played so well. Um, so, you know, that's something that they can hopefully pick back up again. I, I think a positive to take away from this is that it's something that Enoch Mwamba talked about after the game. He said what he liked to see was that in the locker room, guy, you know, guys were mad. Obviously, you're going to be mad. They're frustrated. But there wasn't any finger pointing. They, there was... The finger pointing there was, was at each individual person from, you know, from that that same person saying, you know, I've got to be better. Everyone's saying, I let the team down. I've got to be better. And you've got a room full of guys saying that. That's a much better scenario than it could be. Often in blowouts like this, you have teams with guys pointing at each other and saying, what were you doing here? How come you let this happen? Why did this go like this? You can see it go off the rails. We've seen that with many other teams, but this veteran team, they're pointing fingers at themselves, saying, "I have to be better," and that's I think at least a positive you can take away
1: yeah it it's a long season, and you know sometimes you know look look at look at Saskatchewan you know they went to Montreal and got the brake speed off them um, it happens uh you know, I think that our concerns are that maybe things were exposed, and my concern is that I'm up at. 2 in the morning having to talk about this game um you know but when you when you take a step back you know you 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 got your lunch handed to you you have a tough schedule coming up um they have shown the ability to regroup hopefully they can get a little healthier they are not a very healthy football team um and you know p- you know pull together and you know, if you have a nice game against Winnipeg, I think you're you're back on track. Now, if if you don't have that, then then I think that's that's a much bigger issue. But uh, you know, I think you flush this game. There's no point watching the film. Um, you know, like this kid Rourke, he came out and he looked like uh, you know Evans in the championship game, right? Just. Came out and was superhuman, and they did not, they were not prepared to defeat a superhuman um, on this Saturday night.
0: They were not. And, like you say, that Winnipeg game is suddenly much bigger. So, that's at least they've got a little bit extra rest. That's Monday, July 4th. They've got a couple extra days, and they're going to need those days not only to rest from injury, but just to improve and to to tighten up that defensive coverage for the DBs, to get some chemistry going with the receivers and the quarterback and to, to fix that, that run blocking and and scheme that run blocking better.
1: And hopefully, you know, we can get the same guys on the field at every practice. I know like from a coaching point of view, there, there is nothing more frustrating than not being able to run reps with the starters because it, it almost makes practice pointless you know like if if you're not running with your starting 12 not 9 of the 12 or 6 of the 12 or 10 of the 12 right if you're not running all 12 it you know it's 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 like having almost no practice so that you know that's my hope is they can run 12 on 12 most of the week because it looked like a team that was not able to do that last week
0: yeah and and they weren't like you know we right.
1: And, that, and that's what it looked like. And, and BC looked like a team that ran 12 on 12s all week.
0: Well, for the last two weeks because they right. had a bye. So, yeah, it did. You know, 100%. just they were they were polished and the Argos weren't. And that's, uh, you know, I guess as simple as that. So, hopefully this week can be better for practice. And I know the guys, the, the good thing about coming off a loss like this is that you can't wait to get to your next game. And this long period, you've got, what, nine days before your next game it's not necessarily a bad thing because this is going to this is going to get them riled up there's going to be a lot of intensity at practice this week they were embarrassed I was coached in when he said that after the game was the first question you know how you how'd you feel and and he said embarrassed and the the whole team feels embarrassed the coaching staff feels embarrassed and they're they're angry they're I think a little confused as well and I think all of this is going to it turn into a pretty effective week of practice like there's no taking it lightly after something like this it's not like guys are going to be joking around now at practice or not taking this Winnipeg game seriously he Coach him he said something along the lines of maybe realizing that you're not where you thought you were and that being a pretty effective uh, motivator
1: Yeah. And, you know, thankfully uh, to our our brothers from Hamilton, um, you know, division-wise, we're still in pretty good shape.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's no question. You still have Ottawa and Hamilton without a win. Montreal, who has the only non-Toronto win in the division, you've got a leg up on because you you beat them in the head-to-head. So division-wise, yeah, there's no emergency here. But... It just yeah you can't you can't let another game like this happen j b Let's go through our uh plays of the game, and there's a pretty limited handful to choose from here. Do you want me to go first or do you want it?
1: uh no go ahead
0: okay the the play of the game for me happened very early, and then the wheels fell off after that. that first drive of the game it, it you know needed to be an answer to this is the first offensive drive of the game they needed to to answer uh what. Uh, Nathan Rourke did in his touchdown drive, and it looked like that was going to happen. And that huge play to Devers Daniels, a 48-yard pass up the seam, it was a a bullet throw. McLeod Bethel Thompson just finding this little window between uh, between two zones. Devers makes a great catch, does a spin move, shakes two defenders, goes for 48 yards, and that was it. Was a beautiful play. It just felt like things were going to come together. If only. They could have punched it in from the one-yard line. But but that, on its own, was, for me, the play of the game in a game that just didn't have many good plays for the Argos.
1: (laughs) No, uh, it really didn't. Um, I think my play of the game would probably be uh, McManus just absolutely um, demolishing the running back. Um, It it, it was a game that sort of raised my ire a little with the, the people on TV talking about you know what a great violent game this is, and he's okay. He walked off the field, and just the word concussion was never mentioned, and that's really frustrating. That in twenty twenty two, that we still can't have announcers acknowledging like. And look, full credit to BC; they ruled everybody out because I was going to throw my TV out the window if any of those guys had come back. Um, but I, you know, look, I still it's a, still a violent game. I like the violence in it. That's, I don't know, some kind of, uh, I, don't, I don't know how I, how I balance those two. Uh, but I do most of the time. So I thought the hit was very clean. He crushed them underneath. I, I, that was the focus I had defensively to take away that screen game. Uh, McManus has been absolutely the bright spot for the Argos. Um, he's terrific. So I think put all that together, um, and that was a, that was a great play.
0: Yeah, it it uh it was they had they had a couple of nice the, the thing with the defense, like you could you could come out of this and say, well there were a couple of really nice plays. There were a few Nice moments in coverage. There were a few really nice hits. There were a few nice run stuffs. Like they didn't, James Butler didn't get going today. I know he got injured and he only ended up with, with six carries, but, um, he had one long run. And other than that, he didn't look anything like what he looked like in the opening week where nobody could stop James Butler. So they, they did a decent job of, of containing him. So there were moments, but yeah, as, aside from those few plays, there aren't necessarily highlights that were coming out of it.
1: Yeah, I did not to pile on, but I, it did stick in my craw a little bit that they didn't run the clock down enough at the end of the first half as well.
0: Which part do you mean?
1: In terms of when they kicked it back to BC.
0: Oh, to give them time. Yeah. Well, I think they they felt like they needed, because they, they, they needed points out of that. So I think it was 17-3 at that point. And they're just in a situation where it's like, well, we, we've got we to get something. And so they weren't trying to run time down. They were trying to conserve so that they could at least get another field goal going to the half, if not a touchdown. But yeah, what happens is that backfires. They end up giving it back to BC and they put more points on the board, uh, which you know, I guess that, that couldn't really have gone worse yeah, and, uh, because and, that, that ends with a, a 44-yard field goal for the last play of the game. And now it's 20 to three at half.
1: Which is not insurmountable. No. You know, it just, um, things get out of, you know, things get out of hands in football. football. Football is too hard a sport. You see, like, Montreal pounding on Saskatchewan. But football is too hard a sport to to demand of players when they know they're not going to win, right? It's just so hard. It, it, football asks so much of you. And when you're losing by 25 points, you, you just, I, I don't blame a single player. You just can't bring it the way you need to. And that's how 20 point games turn into blowouts.
0: And there's a difference in what you're talking about where, because there's two up. versions of that. About,
1: I'm not talking about giving up. I'm just saying like, like when you play is like, eh, get too sportsy here, but like it really is 110% you have to give on the field. It's like more than you could ever ask of yourself. And you know, it's just, it's it's hard to demand that when when there's nothing on the line.
0: And the difference is between what we saw tonight and teams that have come back from being down 20 points or more, is that those teams that came back felt like those, in those games, they felt like they could come back. They felt like this game wasn't over. You talk about like calgary at hamilton where they're down basically by the same margin and they came back and won they felt from the beginning that they were going to be able to come back and i just don't know that the toronto players felt that when they jogged into the locker room at halftime no it just didn't feel like anything was going right
1: no i mean especially like defensively you just you we just you know you're just like man we just couldn't stop them he uh, said, "You know, we tried zone, we tried man, we tried blitzing, we tried this, we tried that. I mean, that, like I said, like it, that, that's a very lonely feeling."
0: And I think a, a couple games. It's pretty amazing to think two games into the season and BC has punted twice, I believe, uh, which is a really unusual thing for the CFL.
1: Well, I mean, look, we got ourselves a Canadian superstar.
0: Yeah, that's and that's a nice takeaway too. Talking to Adam Ghost today, the the Argonauts PA announcer, we were talking before the game about how we thought it would go. And he said, at least if the Argos lose, hopefully it's because Nathan Rourke was unstoppable. And at least we can then leave Vancouver saying, well, we've got this Canadian superstar who we're all cheering for nationwide. And that did happen. The Argos lost largely because of Nathan Rourke. He was a superstar again today. And through two weeks of the season, has looked like the best quarterback in the league. I hope it continues. Uh, I, you know, I would love to see him dominate. I would love to see him uh, you know, win most outstanding player at the end of the year. I think that would be incredible. Who,
1: do you, who was the last quarterback you saw that played as well as he did in the CFL?
0: I am I was trying to think about that when you were talking about that earlier. And I, I don't know, especially like th- at this level over a stretch of two games, nothing stands out since like the Doug Flutie era. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what like, I'm
1: that's talking what about. That's came back
0: to me. That, yeah, like it, 100%. Because it's two consecutive games. We've seen guys put up mammoth games, but not back-to-back like this with 90% completions. Th- that just doesn't happen. Throwing around 400 yards, throwing... All touchdowns, no interceptions with that kind of completion percentage. I don't remember. I'm sure there's Maybe been, Ricky
1: Ray and Edmonton.
0: Uh I I don't think these numbers in back to back games, I'm not sure. It's the completion percentage. That's what that's where I just don't think anyone else has it in consecutive games. But you know there there are people that are into the stats way more than I am. I, I think we'll we'll probably see some come out this week because everyone is going to be talking about Nathan Rourke this week and and the accomplishments <laughs> so far this season because they're they're pretty unreal. I thought he would come back to earth a little bit this week. I still expected him to play well, but I think he might have played better today than he did in the first game. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I think
1: well, I think he did too.
0: So it'd be interesting to see. I think I think they've got Ottawa up next and you know Ottawa is is fighting for their lives they don't want to start the season they're coming off a bye they've got lots of time to prep they don't want to start the season 0 and 3 uh this this could be this could be a pretty interesting game suddenly i'm interested in watching a lot of bc lions games so yeah, we'll great. see how that one goes Look, it's
1: great for the league too you know i think that calgary being a little better than i thought they would be you know i think i think it's great for the league i think if if the league has Six or seven really good teams. I think that's great. Not, you know, two great teams and then a bunch of teams that lose to each other.
0: You've got to get to bed. I've got a long flight home tomorrow. We got to wrap this thing up, but just <sighs> uh, a few last words. It's going to be okay. It's game two of an 18 game season. Game two was terrible, but there's no difference at the end of the day between a 44 to 43 loss. And a forty-four to three loss. In some ways, this is better this you, early on. You
1: know who the Argos could have used tonight?
0: Chandler Worthy? <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know.
1: laughs> yeah, your are soon to be named CFL Special Teams Player of the Week, Chandler Worthy.
0: Yeah. I thought you'd enjoy him uh just Speaking going Speaking of
1: Yeah, firing people, anyways.
0: Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the Exes and Argos podcast. Again, 44 to 3, your final from British Columbia. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you.